So, I forgot to bring my surfing pictures. I apologize. Next time, my surfing pictures will come out. I'll make sure. I do some practice. <laughs> these are not next year. These are very high chairs. I'm hoping I'm not flashing the entire uh, front row. <laughs> I wore that underwear especially for you. Anyway, we're not here to talk about my underwear. Stop it. Um, Gillian, yes. we're here to talk about the future of tech in Europe, but I think the future starts now. So, what is Europe doing now, rightly or wrongly, to simulate? innovation and kind of where would you like to see them do more or better? Yeah, I always uh, look at Europe in three categories. So uh, first one will be ideas. And I think uh, Europe has a big advantage as to ideas. Europe from originally had a very much a culture of innovation and entrepreneurship. And that's also what you see back in the amount of startups that are growing up in, in Europe today. Uh, I also think that Europe, if you compare Europe to uh, uh, America, Silicon Valley has a big advantage. And an advantage that uh, we understand diversity and uh, so that Europe should be able to bring much more companies forward that will become more global leaders because of that. So I think that's one of the biggest advantages Europe has. And we've seen that, of course, growing out of the Netherlands and also with Booking.com and how we have grown uh, all over the world. And then um, the second and third one is really speed and scale. And I think if you think about speed, uh, you also need a culture where companies are able uh, to go fast, to fail fast, right? And you need a lot of capital to do that. That is risk capital. And I think that's where Europe needs to improve. It is improving. I think already last year we've seen that we have uh, 70 more unicorns that uh, came out of Europe, which was double the amount as the year before. So that's a good signal, but we need uh, much more. And then if you think about scale and uh, the European market, Europe has the biggest market in the world. So that's what we already have. Like it's 500 million customers that we have in Europe. Uh, the complexity is that uh, if you have a business and you want to grow in Europe, that every few hundred kilometers you deal with different regulation. It's very fragmented. It's 28 different rules that you need to deal with. And that needs to change. And that is very urgent. Because that today, I think, is the biggest complexity that companies are dealing with in Europe. And Europe needs to really think about creating a business climate which makes it easier for companies to grow and reach these 500 million customers than to make it more complicated, which I think is a lot happening uh, today. Yeah, I agree with you for sure. And I think the point about you made about failure is yes. a big one. I think. Yeah. What I see in Europe is a lack of acceptance for failure yes. and not accepting that, that yeah. companies fail. And yeah. that, that risk aversion, I think, yes. is also holding us yeah. back. It's very important. So in making this, this future happen, what do you think the role is of the tech industry versus, say, the government? What role do you think the tech industry should play in doing that? Well, I think if you think about innovation, that, that needs to be dr driven by the tech industry and, and by the companies. But the government has a role to play as well. They need to support that. And like I said, if you think about creating a business climate, which is good for companies, if you think about that they are able to invest 
in talent, right? Because talent today, uh, uh, specifically the right talent that these companies need, becomes more and more complicated. That's what I see with Booking.com as well. And it, it, it's, you need money to, to bring these people in. And, and I think also governments need to think in helping with tax schemes that make it easier for companies so they have more money to invest in innovation. And I think that's where governments can play a big role next to the regulation uh, to make it easier that companies don't need to hire more lawyers than uh, data scientists. <laughs> right. And uh, you were telling me that you are really investing in um, initiatives to make the university system also better suited to encouraging innovation from the start. So I think that that is also a key part yeah. of the ecosystem that we frequently don't think about enough. Yeah, and it's, it's an ecosystem, right, that needs to work. And that I think universities is actually a big advantage in Europe. We have great universities in Europe. But I think it's the ecosystem where people coming out of universities actually stay in Europe, that they can actually have access to capital to, to, to think about ideas they have, and they can try to see if they can build businesses from that. But that all needs to work together. And see in, in, in Silicon Valley that has proven that, um, that, yeah, that that has worked. And that still, I think, needs to happen here a lot right. more. Right. Um, so let's be honest, tech companies are taking a big hit in Europe, um, both from the standpoint of EU legislation as well as there is a tide of, in the public turning against tech companies uh, because of tax issues, because of data privacy issues. As the CEO of a, of a European success story, what advice would you give to big tech companies to kind of overcome that negative tide and to be able to be part of the future of tech in Europe? Yeah, I think if, if you think about big tech companies today, mostly come from Silicon Valley. So you see there, uh, already there's much more acceptance as to the positive role that also technology plays, right? And the role that technology plays on improving uh, local economies. And I think Europe still has a lot of work to do in educating also that technology actually is also very good. And um, I think if, if I think about Europe and uh, I think a lot of the questions that Europe is asking are right. Uh, I mean, I, I think if you think about customer privacy and these type of topics, it's very important that these questions are asked, but often the way it's executed is very difficult because then it becomes, again, very fragmented. I think GDPR is a good example where you did get actually one outcome for Europe, which is, is I think, very good and very positive, but we need a lot more like that. But uh, also with Booking.com, we're not against regulation. I think regulation is good because it, it creates a lot more clarity and it, it, it creates a level playing field. But I think the fragmentation is what is so complicated. And I also think that uh, we need to really think about the image we're giving to technology in Europe because if you think about the talent that comes out of Europe, right, once they come out of university, they, they have a choice, right? They can go to the United States and I think it's important that we showcase that uh, there's a future in Europe and Europe is behind creating more big tech companies because then talent also is a lot more willing to come to Europe and, and they also see that both businesses and politics have leaders 
that really talk about the future and the future of tech and instead of the past. And I think that really needs to change because in the end, you know, if that changes, a lot more businesses and talent wants to be in, in Europe. Right. Speaking of talent, I think one of the things that I'm really struck by that Booking does, I think, in my opinion, really well is diversity programs. And I know that's super important to you personally yeah. as well as Booking. Maybe you can talk a little bit about where you see tech companies' role in actually increasing diversity, improving access, and, and really leveling the play, playing field. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think that this is specifically a role for tech. I think as leaders of any industry, this should be a priority. But in tech, there's an extra element. I think overall you see, of course, that then we need the need of more women in leadership. You see actually that that gap is widening instead of narrowing. But in tech, you see one difference, and that's with all the technical developments of this, of this time, and that you will see that uh, tech uh, will bring social and economic change. So if we don't have women in technology, I really worry that we get more social divides so that that will deepen and also we'll, we will create uh, more gender stereotypes. So that's why women in tech is, is such an important topic specifically to te technology to really think about how we can uh, bring more women into technology. And that's, uh, that is a big job to do and, uh, and with Booking.com we can play of course a role in that but I think uh, there's much more that is needed than only Booking can do but we already for some time ago really started to think uh, you know what can we now do as a company to make uh, improvements right which is both internally but also externally and uh, what we realized is that uh, there's a few elements which are important which is mentorships for instance it's role models so if women don't see other women succeeding in technology then uh, it will be more complicated to bring more women into technology so we did the playmaker awards where we actively recognize women that have played an important role in companies and, and in changing industries. Uh, we do mentorship programs. Uh, we, do, we do, for instance, on the Web Summit, uh, a big mentorship program where we bring uh, women in as well. But we also decided to start sponsoring scholarships for women because we need more women to really start studying STEM uh, subjects. So that's also something that we, uh, we started doing with Booking.com. It's, it's, it will be a, a long effort, but uh, it requires both companies and governments to, to really uh, step up because I, I really worry about this, that if uh, the action is not today and now, that we will run behind even faster, right. uh, yes. in my opinion. Yeah, I, um, I appreciate the fact that the person who introduced us mentioned that I've been 25 years in this industry. I know I started as a fetus. But uh, what I have seen in tech is I remember being in events in the 90s where I was one of maybe a handful of women in, amongst thousands of men. And I really see that it is changing and I see that organizations like the Next Web and Web Summit and other events are doing more to put women on stage. And I think that that is something that's my personal passion. I think women aren't inspired unless they see women stand up yeah. and really represent that this is something that uh, is exciting and showing their passion about it. 
Yeah, and if you think about Booking.com, we've always been a, a very diverse company from the start. We have uh, 130 nationalities working at Booking.com, even 90 nationalities here in, in Amsterdam. And uh, we've always been focused a lot on, on diversity. It's, it's part of, of our DNA. You are based definitely in Amsterdam. I yes. think the Rembrandt Plein, if you walk around the Rembrandt Plein, it says Booking.com everywhere. Um, <laughs> What are you doing in terms of actually giving back to the, the home country where you've been based for so many years? Yeah, so the Netherlands and, and specifically Amsterdam has been very important for Booking.com. This is where we started and this is out of Amsterdam. We basically grew into becoming the global leader we are today. And uh, you see many elements back in our culture that are still have a, a little bit of Dutch, even though the Dutch today might be the minority working for Booking.com. The only thing we didn't keep was the Dutch lunch, the sandwich with cheese and a glass of milk. That's uh, disappeared. But for the rest, you see that uh, there's still many elements you see back. And I think Amsterdam has really helped us. I mean, if you think about the culture in Amsterdam, it's very welcoming, it's very international, it's very entrepreneurial. And that was the perfect place for booking uh, to grow and to bring uh, talent into Amsterdam. We are uh, still very committed to Amsterdam. We are building a, a campus now in the Oosterdox uh, island uh, for the future. So, uh, and yeah, I think that, that Holland for, for our business and also shows that you can build a global business uh, out of Europe. But I think for travel, the Netherlands uh, in our segment has been fantastic because Dutch people travel all over the world. So in the beginning, we really started to follow Dutch demand and that brought us all over the world. And that's also how we started growing uh, our business. Right. Well, that brings up uh, the, the question of the hour, I think, really more than any other person, I think you might be our resident expert on the future of travel. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how tech has changed travel, how it will continue to change travel, and what that will look like in five, 10, or longer years. Yeah. Yeah, if, if you think about the future, whether it's uh, basically finding the perfect place to stay, uh, skipping the line and, and find uh, a museum, uh, transportation to the airport, finding the best restaurant in the city. I think what is key to all of this is that customers more and more want this seamless. And, uh, and this is something where booking is focused on a lot as well. And that's also why you see that booking started off in only offering hotels. Then we basically broadened into more accommodation types, which now we have 30 types which we offer to customers. But also today, we offer attractions. We, we are starting to work on transportation. You see, also, we are learning more and more from customers how we can make a more seamless experience. And even today, we have new technologies which basically takes uh, data from weather into account as to what activity for what day is best for customers when they're traveling at destinations. So you see all of these type of innovations happening. But the, I think the main part, if you think about uh, the future is that travelers themselves, of course, will uh, decide how that is going to look like. And it's important that uh, a company like Booking.com keeps innovating and um, making sure that we uh, develop what customers are looking for 
in the future and how we can basically stimulate the inner explorer that many of our customers have and, and that has an enormous focus. I think the in the future people will have more time and freedom to discover the world uh, and I, I am certain that there's still a lot of work uh, that needs to happen in, in delivering that to every customer all over the world but it's it's super exciting now also with uh, the technology of today, how we can actually build a better experience for customers. And if you think about the mission of booking is to empower people to experience the world. And, uh, and maybe what's nice to say that actually this week uh, we have our booking booster program here in Amsterdam. Every year we select 10 startups that are active in sustainable tourism because I find it very important that if we build on empowering people to experience the world that we also actively contribute in making sure the world keeps being worthwhile, worthwhile to be explored. And basically with these startups, uh, they're from all over the world, we basically provide them with fun with knowledge so their impact can be bigger and we've been doing that for years and years now and uh, it's it's great to see how your mission and what you can do back actually can come together and that's also you see what excites many people at booking that they can actively contribute to that yeah I think that that is a great program because I think sustainable tourism will become yes one of the most important things that we focus on because if we are you know, at home behaving in one way to try to combat climate change and, uh, and then we, we travel, we are behaving in a different way, which yes. destroys those places where we go. Yeah. yeah, and I think also if you think about technology and you think about overcrowdedness in cities, I think technology can really start helping also our destinations to with these topics that we know that some cities are struggling with. Right. I just read that the, uh, the city of Amsterdam is actually uh, really struggling with controlling the tourist influx here. And yeah. so it'll be really interesting to see how particularly European cities yeah. who are being overrun and they do not have the infrastructure to support right. it, how they actually can work with potentially tech companies to manage that better. And we do that. We did a booking lab in Amsterdam where we worked with local startups on these kind of topics. So we are very active to help cities with these kind of challenges. Cool. The final question I have for you, yeah. which uh, is very much about you, uh, is what is your favorite travel experience ever been uh, and why? Yeah, well, ever been, I always find that a difficult question because every travel experience is so different. And uh, I see that now with my children growing up that uh, now we're actually able to do more road trips where we actually go from destination to destination. But it, it also shows the complexity of the needs of your children and of you and my husband. So it's <laughs> but uh, but we recently did a road trip through Asia where we went through uh, we went to Hong Kong, we went through Thailand and uh, it's really great to see also with technology nowadays how easy that has become and even though I also realized going on a trip like that that there's still uh, friction and uh, but uh, yeah that was a trip we recently took which was uh, amazing yeah. I think the, the next killer app because I hear this a lot from parents I myself don't have kids yeah. Um, which is a good thing. Uh, but I hear this a lot from parents and maybe the next killer app will be a way to figure out travel for your kids that optimizes what they're interested in while maintaining some interest for the adults. Because That's it, it seems a bit like either or. Either you're going to Disneyland Europe or you're going someplace where the adults actually 
yeah. you know, find interesting. Hopefully that will become easier. Yes, well, I, I, I hear <laughs> they grow up, and so it does get a little bit more easy as they, right. I yes. hear that, it's a rumor. Anyway, that is our time, I believe. Yeah. And thank you so much, Gillian, for your Thank time. you. Thank, thank you, you very much for listening. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's it.